Welcome to We Fish ASA, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. My name is Steve Sarley, and I'm here with my partner, Dave Kranz. We Fish ASA is always pleased to offer you conversational with the most interesting, the most informative, the most entertaining, as well as some of the biggest names in the world of fishing. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association, in particular, St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, and Daiwa. They have what you need for every application at every price point. There is no reason not to be using Daiwa Reels. We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. It's available 24-7 everywhere you get your podcasts. And don't forget, there's a free app available for iPhones and iDevices at the Play Store. Uh, don't forget the podcast is always available at your at our website, which is wefishasa.com. Wefish ASA is recorded and produced at two studios in the Chicago area. I'm at one, Dave's at the other. We send the audio down to Land Lakes, Florida, to our executive producer, Brad Nearman from Berserk Productions. He puts it all together, makes it sound as good as it does. This week, we will be visiting with Dan Johnston from St. Croix. Dave Kranz is going to bring on... Our friend Mark Mills used to be the field marketing manager for Daiwa, but he's got a big promotion, and we'll let Dave and Mark Mills tell you all about that. And I'm going to talk with, uh, I guess it's a member of the WeFish ASA Extended Family. He is Adam Nye, son of uh, Pat Nye, who you just heard a week or two ago on the show. Uh, Adam just fished the Bassmaster Northern Open, finished third, a tough competition. Incredible bag. They uh, he limited out three days in a row. His fish, smallmouth bass, averaged over five pounds per fish. Uh, this guy's one of the hottest sticks and brightest young stars in bass fishing. Adam Nye will be with him later. But first, let me turn it over to Dave Kranz. David's going to bring on Dan Johnston from St. Croix. Take it away, Dave. As Steve said, I am Dave Kranz. This is the We Fish ASA podcast, and this segment is brought to you by St. Croix, the best rods on earth. We welcome back Dan Johnston. How you doing, Dan? I'm great, Dave. Thanks for asking. You know, we're uh, we're uh, getting uh, long into the month of September here now, and it is truly fall fishing across this country. You're seeing cool nights and, you know, less light during the day. It's amazing how, how fast that has gone. Uh, we're going to talk fall fishing today, but uh, we're going to talk fall fishing, and we do a lot of things covering bass. We've covered walleye, but let's kind of gear it towards panfish because uh, fall panfishing can be awesome, can't it? Yeah, it can, and to the bass folks out there, this will be a good one too because you know what happens to bass when they know where the panfish are. So it's, it's not necessarily a bad, a bad, uh, everything kind of works in one big circle here. So yeah, it's a, it's a really good topic. Fall is an amazing time to fish them. It's a, we need to really understand the strategy behind fall fishing. And that all starts with what do these fish do? Part of that depends on what part of the fall it is. Are we coming off of summer or are we right before winter? That does matter. But once we understand their movements, and uh, where they're at, uh, the beautiful thing about fall is if you catch one, boy, you can catch 20. Well, we can try to cover as much of that as we can, but let's start. Uh, we'll start at the end of summer. The water's starting to cool. The weeds are starting to die off, and, uh, you know, the leaves are, are changing on the trees, especially the early ones of the poplar and the walnut and things like that are, are changing. Your sumac's getting red, so um, there's a... Uh, 
a lot of this is a big topic too and i i know uh we can't cover it all but uh where do you start uh early fall looking for you know crappies bluegills perch yeah early fall you know dave we did a podcast not long ago you asked me a question on what's what's the tell and what's the clue that things are happening in the fall i mentioned seagulls following boats down lakes it was funny that that day when we did that i saw them following boats down the lake and buddy of mine caught them on a square bill in a foot of water over a suspended brush and that's typical because the, the reason i bring that up is big crappies and big bluegills will stay remarkably shallow into the fall into the late fall and as we get into this time of year water's still warm why am i catching big crappies and over the top of brush and two foot of water even though the brush can be five six Part of that's because the bait has lifted in the water column and that bait rises in the water column and it's a, just a great way to target, especially an ascending feeder, which is a crappie, much more so than a bluegill. Bluegill will go down to the bottom and grab something and dig stuff out. Crappie will hit things more horizontally and most often they'll lift on it, even if they have to go below it first to come up on it. So the first thing I try to do in the fall specifically is I find wood close to areas that have deep water, but most specifically in areas that have a little bit of hard bottom, knowing the bait's going to be high and specifically heavy limbs. And I know that's getting a little weedy, but heavy limbs for crappie in fall is gold, even better than buck brush, which is sometimes better in the spring. So that is a definitely where I start. And then when I get to those areas, I'll fish something that they're going to want to come get something that's not super heavy. It'll go horizontal in the water column on a little pitch and swing and glide back to me. Sometimes I even cut a little piece of lead off the, the head because I don't want it falling because they'll come get it in the fall because they're not deep to start with. Okay. But how about size? Since most of these mineral species and younger uh, of the year are getting bigger as we get into the fall, they've grown. So do we uh, use a little bit bigger bait or keep it about the same or let the fish tell you what to do? I, I, I use a bigger bait primarily because the bait fish are bigger, number one. Number two, the six-inch crappies, for some reason in the fall, have the attitude that they could eat a whale. So you could you could throw a three inch garland slab slayer out there and catch a six be on it all day long. It's unbelievable. So sometimes I will throw a bigger bait merely to weed out the small ones to the best of my ability. I'm still not successful in it because they get it. But you you've got to if you throw a little jig in there, it's hard to get the big fish because the little ones are just going to get to it left and right. Yeah, because crappies even at six inches have a pretty good sized mouth, and there's no body to them. They're just all mouth. I think at at that point. Uh, does that apply to uh, bluegills and perch also for size of the bait? Because they, they don't have as big a mouth as the crappie. Well, everything in the fall, to me, this this is everything from bass to even walleye to panfish. I upsize my bait that I'm throwing all lures in the fall. And the, again, the primary reason why I'm doing that is because the bait fish are at a big stage and number one and number two the fish are just feeding up they're in wolf packs they're very competitive um if you find them i mean we found white bass on a point a week ago and it was i was testing a rod for st croix and, and it was it was every single cast it was just hilarious how many were in there my active target showed them but it was just really funny to see so it, it, the, the mindset of the fish the way they're programmed is really consistent with upsizing your your offering for sure 
Yeah, that's a, that's a good uh, tip on those white bass. Did, and did you find them or did you see them feeding on the surface? Well, I saw the gulls first okay. hovering over this point. A couple of them dove into it. Then I went over there and threw a little lipless bait and took my arm off. <laughs> and I, it, Well, the reason I say that, I know it's kind of a laughing thing to say, but when, and this is a really, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this on a podcast, but whenever you get a hit that takes your arm off, usually it's because there's five more looking at it. Yep. And that happens a lot. If you, if you get a bite that's super aggressive, um, it, a lot of times that's a competitive type hit and you got to be ready to throw right back in there. Yeah, and I, I experienced that at the St. St. Lawrence River in the last tournament I was there, and uh, those smallmouth are like that too. When they, the, the most aggressive hits, you weren't only going to catch one. So I, I can definitely second that uh, that uh, idea because it is is uh, factual. The other thing is, if I f- have found white bass feeding on the surface, whether by birds or seeing them hit, a lot of times if that lake has smallmouth in it and you find them sometimes they're out over 20 30 40 feet of water and uh, the white bass move on but if you throw in the same spot where it was and let that bait start sinking at the bottom i have many times caught smallmouth at 15 or 20 feet that were picking up the minnows that dropped that were wounded um, that the white bass had slashed into and um, i i don't know i i i don't know if anybody else has ever experienced that but i have on multiple occasions have you you know, that's a veteran thing to say, Dave. That's a great thing. We've never talked about that topic, but schooling fish, do big ones come up in school and blow up? Absolutely. But there's also a lot of times where the great big ones hanging out 10 foot down waiting for the little ones to do all the work. And there's no question. And, so, and I tell you, another thing that works really good in that scenario is let's say you're catching little little fish on a, on a topwater bait. Um you can take something that gets down like a crankbait throw way past the school like 50 60 feet past them crank it down fast to get it below them and a lot of times you can catch a bigger one doing that yeah they're uh, uh, they don't always uh, school just by size and a lot of times like you said those aggressive smaller fish are doing all the work and the big ones are down there and uh, yeah that is I, I don't think there's something else that i don't think we've ever talked about or, or mentioned but uh you know it's it's hard not to have things that we haven't talked about we're on our sixth year of programming here and you and i have done you know most of these 273 segments that we're taping today we have done them together and it, it's a lot a lot of information but uh uh, what else in fall fishing gets good? I mean, is is the topwater bite uh, still pretty viable for for uh, for even panfish? I mean, you're you're a big fly fisherman. Is is fly still go into the fall? Well, the cicada thing is unbelievable, and you guys go outside and you hear all that loud sounds of sounds like orchestra and trees. Boy, when when you hear that big time, like around a lake where it's so loud you can hardly hear it. Put on a little black topwater. I don't care what you're fishing for, whether it's and the big thing is just don't move it. Throw it into the bank, intentionally crash it hard. And this is a little fly fishing technique we use for grasshopper fishing out west too. With this cicada deal, I will throw something in there. Almost, I'm trying to emulate it falling from a distance. If you've seen one of these things live, they look like aliens. They're B-52s, they're big bugs. Bluegills will eat a, a cicada. They love them. So you just remember that when you get into anything, I'm getting a little fly here, but anytime you have any bug coming off, whether it's a mayfly or it's just one of those low pressure days where the bugs are really, try to take a look and see what's going on. If you see little dimples out in the water and little pops going on, usually it's this big grand plan here and something's happening. 
hatching, and the fish are keyed on them. So yeah, a little dark top water for panfish in the fall can work really well. Excellent. Uh, how about wind in the fall? We don't have a lot of time left, but does wind play a factor? It's huge for a bunch of reasons. A lot of people think that it well it blows the bait back in the fat, the shad in the back of the coves. That's true, but it to me it blows the food that the bait is feeding on in the back of the coves. So you you don't necessarily need a giant two foot chop to actually move the physical shad. Any wind will move what the shad are feeding on, and I think that's a kind of a fly fishing mindset too. But yes, wind in the fall to me is more important than any other time of year times ten because they're bait centric. They're thinking about food. They're not thinking about bedding up. Yeah, and that's all good information as always. And uh, boy, uh, you know we we've covered a lot of topics, and I always uh, like you have said too. Uh, we learn a lot from each other talking about different things and it definitely applies to our own fishing when we go uh, and get out there and uh, I appreciate you having you on again Dan oh it's always my pleasure to talk to a good friend and pass on any little thing we can pass out to the listeners and it's just nothing but us getting better ourselves excellent Uh, that was Dan Johnston Steve Sarley is remote I am Dave Kranz and this segment of the We Fish ASA podcast was brought to you by St. Croix the best rods on earth. We will be right back after these commercials. Rule your water. Rule it with a St. Croix rod. Whether you take to the lake, wade the rivers, or cast from shore, St. Croix provides responsive performance, ensuring your success below every surface. With a St. Croix rod in hand, you're a part of a celebrated tradition that has spanned 70 years. Touch, power, and control are right at your fingertips and extend to you the finest fishing experience on the planet. St. Croix, the best rods on earth. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn-out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it. Welcome back to the We Fish ASA podcast. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote. And this segment is brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. And on this segment, I always like to say that everyone that I interview for it has a passion for the outdoors. My next guest is no exception to that. He is Mr. Mark Mills. He is the Senior Marketing Manager for Daiwa. Welcome to the program, Mark. Hey, thanks, Dave. Appreciate having you having me on. This is pretty awesome. I feel pretty good to be on your podcast. We've talked about it for years, and today's a big opportunity that I get to be on there with you. So oh, thank you. Appreciate it. No problem. Uh, we appreciate you. And, uh, you know, tell the listeners a little bit about who Mark Mills is and what you do as a senior marketing manager for Daiwa. Excellent. Well, you know, Dave, I've had a passion for the fishing industry my whole life. Um, fortunately enough, I've been in the fishing industry uh, for about 33 years. Um, I've, uh, you know, I've worked in retail, sales, marketing, product research, product development, 
Um, you know, I've been with Daiwa for about five and a half. I was with Shimano. I've been with Akuma. So um, all were really good educational pieces. And there's only a handful of us. I don't really know if there's anybody that's been with the top three guys. And it was, it's a great opportunity. Now, with, with Daiwa the last five years, uh, we, we've made a lot of changes, as you can see, you know, with, with some of the stuff that's accomplished here in the last five years. Um, we're able to do a lot of different stuff. Um, we've got a great management team, uh, good leadership under Terry Graves, um, who's our, our president. Um, you know, Trevor, who actually is our was our president, and Kerry got upgraded into that role. Him and I have worked together at other companies. But, um, you know, he's really given myself and our team the opportunity to to build some great products that are related to the U.S. market, um, look at the business differently, you know, both on the freshwater side and the saltwater side. Um, I, I get off the opportunity to do, you know, for the most part, a lot of product research, a lot of product development, um, and then step it into, the, you know, this year as the senior marketing manager, um, you know, of how we go to market and how we market ourselves both with the independent retailers and the big box and the tournament and working with you as an independent retailer. It's a fun job. I, I have one of those jobs that um, I don't think you could ask for a better job. I, I've been very blessed and, and fortunate uh, in my years in the industry. Excellent. Now, we have a lot of uh, uh, high school and collegiate youth that listen to the podcast, and uh, they, um, they always wonder, how do you get sponsorship? How do you, what, do you, what do you do? And I always tell them, don't, you know, don't show your phone and show them the fish that you're catching or the tournaments that you're winning. These companies want to know that you have a passion for their product. They want to know that they can, you can sell their product because that's what they're in business to do. And um, you guys have a really good lineup of pro staffers. And, uh, you know, this year you, you had a lot of the top level guys, which is uh, better than a grand slam, I think. And uh, th tell us a little bit about that and how, uh, you know, these younger people, what they need to do to get to that level of, of, uh, of Brett Ayler or Chris and Corey Johnston and, and, you know, the top level guys that you have. Yeah, we were, we were, this, this year we literally hit all five bells. We had, you know, Seth, uh, we got Angler of the Year. We had first, second, third, fourth, and fifth place pros. Plus, um, our, we, we represent Evergreen. Josh with Evergreen was Rookie of the Year. So we had all six bells. It was awesome this year for, for anglers. And, you know, um, a lot of that I have to kind of rely on Kurt Arakawa, who's been in the industry a long time. He, he's got a passion with that. He really drove a lot of these pros and the way we looked at pros and, you know, um, we we're fortunate. It's always great to have a pro that's a good angler, but guys that represent themselves really, really well, that are good speakers, that know the business, that, you know, that I don't want to say aren't into making money, but they're into really loving the, the industry. Um, you know, Cody Myers is probably one of the best pros ever. That guy works like it's going out of style. Some guys are just so passionate on it. And as a manufacturer, we have that. You know, winning a big portion of it, no doubt about it. But the opportunity to have somebody that can speak about it, talk about it, is innovative on how they go to market and understands the product, you know, um, what, how it works for manufacturer but also how it works for them on the water and you've got to put all those pieces together to have the perfect puzzle um you know we work a lot with the the collegiates and the youth anglers especially down the bass in the bass belt there alabama tennessee georgia florida and that area and you know all these guys are always in, and I, I myself go to a lot of the, the events uh, will rogers kind of handles that for that portion of the market 
And that's the biggest question, you know, how do we become pros? And that's a tough one, you know, um, and it, it's trying to give them the opportunity to, you know, get to know the people in the industry. Who are the up-and-comers that currently work for manufacturers or currently work for tackle stores to help kind of pave the way so you have those opportunities, you know, uh, in business and life. And matter of fact, we were just talking just now and how you become a good marketer. You know, you were talking about some of, you know, your podcast and your business. There's all these different avenues. So that's, that's really important is kind of learn how to become a good marketer. Um, you know, take some notes out of the uh, direction of NASCAR. They have a lot of good drivers, but there's a lot of good marketers there. Absolutely. Yeah, that's that's always good. Now, the um, uh, the average weekend guy going fishing sometimes will will say to me in my retail environment, "It's like, yeah, you know what? I I don't pay a lot of attention to these pros because I don't know if it makes a lot of difference on my fishing." But they are so wrong because many of the items that are developed and and available to the average weekend guy that may never fish a tournament in his life is because of the the hard use that the tournament anglers do it so a, a better quality product a product that's needed a technique that gets developed you you guys are building these products for that aren't you yeah we work with our pros quite a bit you know um you know especially like on our, our Tula elite rods you know we don't just take a rod and call it to elite put their name on it no that whole series of ours we have, as you can say, Seth has his rods, Cody has his, Itch has his, Talk has his. Um, we got some rods coming down the road that Corey and Chris Johnson are going to have. Seth has his. So all these guys have the ability and they have certain techniques that they're really good at. And they want to build rods that really work for their techniques. So each rod, we're talking foregrip, action, length, guide, everything is built to realistically the best technique that they're good at you know Ish is great at you know pitching punching and frogs and he built those great rods for frog fishing the rods that Ish is using Brett Ayler uses for when he's doing that but then you get into drop shot fishing and Ayler is very good at drop shots so his drop shot rods and Seth you know uh uh hair jig rods all are tweaked for those guys specifically we could be like a lot of companies and just okay here what is that put everybody's name on a rod that's not the way we did it. That's not the way we go to business. Um, and on the reels, the same thing. We work with them. Tatula is the hardcore line of bass products. They fit the price point. They fit the market. And kind of Tatula, we've kind of did, our slogan was that is we've got your bass covered. You know, not using the other word, but we got your bass covered. But the Tatula brand has something that any tournament angler would need, from an SV reel to a CT reel, 100 you know, a 300, a 150, a 200. And we even threw in there the, the elite rods uh, or the elite reels and the pitch and flip. And they all have features that make them special when you get into those types of reels. It's not just the same reel. We have different spring loads for better casting. We've got SV for casting in the wind and anti-backlashing and skipping. So all these reels that we create, we talk to the reps, I'm sorry, we talked to the uh, pros and we worked with them. I remember working with uh, Ish on the pitch and flip and we had to change the spring load uh, in the casting scenario on the mag force because it didn't work right. We were changing springs and doing all these little tweaks to make it absolutely perfect so he could pitch and flip better than anybody else on, on, the, on the circuit. That's always good to know. Well, let's brag a little bit about uh, what happened at ICAST here in July on the uh, Daiwa won a couple uh, real awards. Let's talk about that a little bit. Tell us what you won. 
you know what? That was just, it was, I mean, it was shining down on us. We had a great year. You know, we've been building really good products. And this year, uh, in 2021, um, we really got recognized for it. We actually won um, for Best Freshwater Reel uh, for the New Zillion, which, to be honest with you, we there was no reason we shouldn't have won it. Um, when we came out, we started testing it. I've been around a lot of different companies before and that are do make great reels and i said this is the best reel that i had ever fished with and then we we kind of did a few casts and kind of gave a few away to some guys and they agreed this was the best bait casting reel that they'd ever fished with so at a great price point so we were very fortunate to win on zillion um it's been extremely successful on the saltwater side we still found the same scenario we knew it going in that the new saltus mq was just perfect price point features castability you know the weight of the rotors the weight of the reel the, the power everything worked you know when the stars align the stars aligned and it really did for us this year um at icast and you know these icast awards are you know are always special they make us feel great we hadn't won a, a real award for about 22 years um so this was really special to win not just freshwater but to win saltwater too um you know, and, and be part of the, the team on that um, actually brought a tear to my eye. It was pretty awesome. Yeah, it was good. It was, uh, it was nice to see everybody at ICAST in person because we had to skip that last year with virtual, and uh, it was good to do. And I and I, uh, I don't think we should have any problem with saying we got your bass covered. So that that's that's a good thing. I like I like that line, and uh, uh, it's a good thing. Well, Mark, I definitely appreciate you being on a podcast. I'm sure it won't be the last time. Uh, uh, thanks for being on. I sure, I sure hope so. This is always fun. I love talking to you. I mean, you know, when you and I start talking, you know, you, you know, you call me a lot at like three o'clock in the morning. FYI, I just want to let you know. Well. Um, but hey, <laughs> I, I love that. You're always great to talk to you. You're, you're so positive. You love to fish. And I just love talking to you about that. And, um, you know, that's what, that's what's great. You know, you're very involved with ASA and doing stuff there. And, you know, it's great to have somebody that's, that's like yourself that, that has that passion like like myself and, you know, a lot of the other anglers. And I hope that you follow that same direction coming down the road that they have these types of passion as well. Excellent. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate you for being on. All right. Thanks for having me. You have a great week and talk to you soon. Yeah, uh, excellent. That was Mark Mills, Senior Marketing Manager from Daiwa. I am Dave Cran. Steve Sarley is remote. And this segment was brought to you by Calcutta, an outdoor company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. The We Fish ASA podcast will be right back. The outdoors is more than just a profession for us here at Big Rock Sports. As avid anglers, hunters, and outdoor enthusiasts, it's our passion. So advocating on behalf of the outdoor sporting goods industry is a top priority for us. Big Rock Sports is proud to serve as the voice and advocate of outdoor sporting goods retailers across the nation. Big Rock Sports works tirelessly to protect our fisheries and anglers' rights. Big Rock Sports, we are here for you. Calcutta, we're an outdoor coastal trading company that builds gear and apparel for those with a passion for the outdoors. Born in the back of a Florida bait and tackle shop, Calcutta was created with a rebellious spirit and a goal to offer hardworking outdoor products at a reasonable price. Calcutta builds the products that fit your lifestyle. We're on a mission to help you reclaim your free time and to declare mutiny on the mundane. Depend on Calcutta gear and apparel. 
bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting reel. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. Distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I am Steve Sarleet. My partner Dave Kranz is remote. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. Please help to ensure the future of fishing by visiting keepamericafishing.org. And if you are an industry professional, please consider joining the American Sport Fishing Association by visiting asafishing.org. Got a gentleman on with us. Uh, who had a remarkable performance uh, in the past week at the uh, Bassmaster Northern Open St. Lawrence River. The young fella got in there, mixed it up with the big boys, ended up with a third-place finish. Might be asking, why are we having a third-place finisher on rather than a first-place finisher? It's because I want to. And this guy is a friend of a, fr a son of a friend, a regular guest that we often have on, a guy with a heart as uh, big as the outdoors, runs the National Professional Anglers Association, and is a uh, veritable, wonderful walleye professional fisherman. Uh, Pat and I, we have him on regularly. Well, his son just got into professional bass fishing and is uh, making his mark, and I was so excited to watch this uh, tournament transpire, hey, averaging over five pounds per fish for three days, three-day limit. Please welcome one of the hottest new names on the pro bass fishing tournament circuit, Adam Nye. Hey, Adam, welcome. How are you? Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. I uh, bet you didn't think I was going to take all day to introduce you like I just did. <laughs> no, that's all right. Oh, cool. man. How exciting was it? How exciting was it to be 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 right there at the end on this Bassmaster Northern Open, uh, weighing in these huge fish? Tell us about it. Yeah, I mean it was kind of a special event. Um, I just hopped into this, that division there uh, just for that tournament. I mean, I saw that tournament on the schedule, and I'm fishing the Centrals, and I saw it on the Northern schedule, and you like. Kind of had to jump into that one. I'm just, smallmouth is kind of where my comfort zone is currently, and it's it's that place is an amazing fishery. There's more five pounders in that body of water than anywhere else in the country right now, I believe. So the, it's a cool cool body of water, and I would recommend anyone going there for sure. Don't you get tired of hauling in those cookie cutter five pound smallies one after another? <laughs> Yeah, you think you would, but I haven't got no, tired of no, it yet. No, I don't. I don't think you. I don't think you would at all. My God, I, I, most people I know uh, in in the in the Midwest, and we're talking we're smallie country. Will tell you that if they caught a five pound smallie ever, it would be on their wall. Uh, you're you're culling five pounders when you're at a tournament like that. It, it, it's it seems wrong. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was. That was a special, 
special spot that you can kind of carry ran into. And if there was one five pounder there, there had to be 300. I mean, there was, that spot was insane. Um, there wasn't many schools left on this place on the body of water right? Cause fall transition, but there was a massive school there for whatever reason. And it was cool because we were both able to make top 10 off of one school. I mean, being able to, at that level, share water with someone and both make a really good tournament out of it was really special. Doesn't happen very often. Who, who were you sharing water with? Gary Adkins. He ended up taking six. Excellent. That, 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 uh, that shows you that sharing information uh, nor- normally uh, normally works like that. I think that's uh, absolutely incredible. Um, mm-hmm. you're from, you're from Wisconsin, correct? Sorry, what was that? Well, you're from Wisconsin. Yep. From Wisconsin, from Sturgeon Bay, Wisconsin. No. So and Gary's in, or from Green Bay. We're both really familiar with, the, the whole Sturgeon Bay, Green Bay, Bay, Green Bay, some, um, some small mall fishery, some tremendous, some tremendous bass fishing with, without a doubt, but yeah, you you definitely signed up for that because you're uh, you're used to it. But these other the centrals that you're fishing are not smallmouth waters; they're largemouth waters, correct? Largemouth and spotted bass. Yep. Yeah, so yeah, it's all largemouth and spots. And I've had a few good tournaments down there before. Um, I've been to enough places down there. I'm starting to get a little more comfortable with it. Well, you know, we we uh, we over, over the the smallmouth uh, smallmouth tournament fishing has exploded in the last five years. Uh, I would say that uh, prior to that, a lot of uh, a lot of the uh, Bassmaster stuff, the FLW stuff, which is now Major League Fishing, uh, were held in Southern Lakes and uh, were were largemouth fisheries, and then you started getting uh, smallmouth, which calls for a complete change in tactics, starting out with different equipment, lighter line, uh, uh, diff- different baits. And, and we talked to a lot of guys that have fished largemouth, and, and we talk about the uh, uh, the change and what they have to do to learn how to become smallmouth fishermen, and it's, and it's not easy. We're talking to a guy right now who's a smallmouth fisherman who has to learn, is learning, has to learn more about catching largemouth. Talk about that, would you? Because it's something we don't hear a lot of. What is it? Uh, what is involved in having to learn how to become a largemouth bass fisherman? Yeah, I mean, you'd think uh, coming from where I came from here, fishing smallmouth, I'd be really comfortable being offshore largemouth fishing rather be way off the bank. And, you know, actually, uh, my, my comfort zone and that I found with largemouth fishing. Every time I've done well in a tournament down there, it seems to be a flipping bite. I mean, I just enjoy being up shallow when I largemouth fish. If I'm able to do that, that's something I like to do. It's just, it's kind of weird because the smallmouth fishing, I really don't like or enjoy the shallow water fishing. It's okay. It's fun. You have to do it sometimes the years. I'd much rather be way off the bank. But yeah, it's just kind of a, it's a weird transition. I didn't really start largemouth fish until college, which was six or seven years ago now. Um, didn't even own a bait caster, really. I had one bait caster in my whole entire name. So <laughs> it was it was quite the transition to start getting used to that and had a few good college events and kind of pushed me towards fishing some of the open. So kind of jumped into it with both feet and got my butt kicked in some tournaments and did well in others, but it's been fun. 
Do largemouth behave like smallmouth in any particular way, or are they completely different in their behavioral patterns? They are completely different. Um, typically, if you get around a school of smallmouth, a good school of smallmouth, you can find a way to get a couple of them to bite. These largemouth, I mean, they're the, the timing that of these fish is so different. They they won't bite. I mean, you'll get around them and they will not bite anything. I mean, you can be around a thousand of them, you can't get a bite. And you go back an hour later and everyone in that school ignites for whatever reason, whether it's a current-driven fish, um, shad spawns happening. There's so many different variables that goes into these large and the large mole fishing for me that it's just taking a while to get it all put together, but slowly learning as much as I can. Comparing uh, largemouth and smallmouth, are one or the other more particular about color than the other? Uh, I think the largemouth are mainly because all these southern bodies of water are just so so pressured. Um, all of our smallmouth fishing up here, and especially the St. Lawrence that we just came from, there's so much water out there. I mean, you can fish a spot. I mean, like I said, I shared a spot with Gary, but I had probably 25 other places I could have gone to that might not have had a boat on them. Huh. Um, you go on south, and those lakes just fish smaller. There's certain areas that will always play better than others just because that's where the best spawn happens. And they just way more pressured. It feels like there's less fish, but I don't know if it is. I mean, some of those lakes are loaded full of fish, obviously. Like, Connersville is an impressive place. Sure, sure. Of them, so. it's uh, it, it's totally amazing, and when you think about it, catching a limit of uh, fish that average over five pounds and they're all smallmouth bass would be equivalent to catching what kind of weight of largemouth? I'm, I got to figure you're talking eights, uh, averaging eights in largemouth would be the same as fives on smallmouth. Yes, no? Yeah, like probably sixes or sevens. Yeah, I mean it's that. That tournament, Bassmaster has never reached a four-day limit on smallmouth with over 100 pounds, to my knowledge. And I know if they would, if they would let us go a third day, one of the top three there, one of us would have definitely broken that. Uh, we would have broken that century mark on smallmouth just because that place is fishing so incredible right now. It's insane. Um, we're in the fall transition, which is arguably one of the worst times of year to target these fish, and we're. I mean, there's still three bags over 75 yeah. pounds. This is fishing insane. And uh, you were consistent, uh, which, which is amazing when you look at uh, particular uh, results in tournaments. Uh, it's tough to have uh, a really great three days. If, if you do, you, you normally win or you normally cash a check. Um, did, did that surprise you that all three days for the top three finishers were all at that kind of uh, uh, average fish? You're talking 25-pound bags three days in a row for more than one guy? Yeah, I mean, going into it, I figured if you average 25 a day, you're probably going to win the event. Um, after day one and seeing some of the weights, I kind of changed my tune a little bit. I figured we needed a little more, but... Yeah, I didn't really expect going into that event, um, even even though I had a fairly good practice that it was going to take more than 70, 75 pounds. But, I mean, the people who were fishing against there, Chris, Corey, and Cal, 
uh, those guys are all amazing fishermen out there. I mean, they're as local as you can get. And, I mean, obviously, Chris and Corey are in the Elite Series, and they're there for a reason. They're great fishermen, and so is so are a lot of the rest of those guys in the top ten there. They're all some of the best smallmouth fishermen in the country, and fish against them and actually be able to go go to tell with them the last day was so fun. Blast. Yeah, you know, you're out there, you're doing well. You're, you're, you got three days of fishing that anybody would, yeah, you know, give anything to get the opportunity to perform like you perform. And you're coming up a little bit short weight wise. Is there something that you do to try to improve the quality of your fish? You know, you're averaging five pounds. I, I need to get a couple big ones. I need to crack the six pound mark once or twice. What can I do to try to upgrade to heavier fish? Is there something that you do? You know, that that spot where you're catching them on, I, I upgraded my weight every day. Um, if it wasn't for a bit of a stumble on day one, uh, I had like 23.15, but I didn't catch any of my weight until 1.30 in the afternoon. Uh-huh. Um, so I called every fish. I had like 18 pounds at 1.30 in the afternoon on day one, and I called all my fish out in the next hour and a half. <laughs> um, if it wasn't for that little bit of a stumble, I mean, I would have been right there with those guys. I mean, even if I brought in another pound, I was right there. It's just a matter of just kind of breaking down that spot, you know, and we didn't really expect that area to pan out the way it did. We figured there was a lot of fish there. We didn't know there was that many five pounders there. I mean, between me and Gary, we've caught almost a five pound average on 30 fish off of that spot. But I want, I want to go back to that question, but I need to take a, a, a little break right here to let our sponsors talk. We'll talk about uh, your sponsors and uh, I'm sure all the phone calls you're getting from people that would like to be sponsors. We're on with the Adam Nye Bassmaster Open uh, uh, had a great Bassmaster Open, averaging over five pounds per fish, twenty-five. Uh, you know, uh, for three days, just absolutely remarkable. He's one of the hottest sticks out there. You're going to hear a lot about him in the future, and you're going to hear more about him when we come back. Right after this, we are We Fish ASA. I'm Steve Sarley, and with Adam Nye, we'll be right back. For most anglers, the unexpected is expected but what you can do is take matters into the seat of your well shorts meet aftco's overboard shorts winner of the iCast best in category for technical clothing built with a 100 submersible pocket that keeps the unexpected dry dock for the other guy overboard keeps the good times rolling and your valuable safe for the next adventure overboard shorts from aftco Learn more at aftco.com slash overboard. Bass anglers have heard it all when it comes to manufacturers having the best casting rail. Well, Daiwa can back it up with the Tatula SV. The Tatula SV has three key features that make it the most versatile casting reel on the market today. The SV spool is a lightweight aluminum spool allowing for long control light lure casting. MAG4Z gives you the option to set a precise casting range no matter what lure or wind situation. The Daiwa T-Wing system reduces line angle and friction when casting. 
distance, control, and finesse like no other reel on the market. Tatula, the ultimate finesse long cast system designed by Daiwa. The St. Croix story has evolved over 70 years. With gritty determination, St. Croix built the most advanced fishing rod facility in the world. And with it, a world-class brand that has earned the respect and admiration of anglers around the planet. We will continue to challenge ourselves, our employees, and our partners to be the best every day. We're proud to celebrate 70 years of passion and commitment to making the best rods on earth. St. Croix. Welcome back to We Fish ASA. I am Steve Sarley. My partner Dave Kranz is remote. We Fish ASA is brought to you by the proud industry members of the American Sport Fishing Association. Check us out on social media. Check out our website, wefishasa.com. We love to get your uh, feedback and emails. We answer everything, so please contact us. Tell us what you think of the show, what you'd like to hear us talk about. And I know over the next few years, we'll be talking a lot more to our guest. He is Adam Nye, Bassmaster Northern Open, St. Lawrence River just completed. He finished third. He's a good friend of the show, indirectly because he is the son of Pat Nye, who is the uh, executive director of the National Professional Anglers Association and one hell of a walleye fisherman. Uh, Adam has the, uh, the the fishing gene going for him. And uh, it was it's obvious in uh, his performances in the professional bass fishing this year. How, how, why bass fishing? How come you're not a walleye guy like your dad? You know, I grew up fishing a bunch of walleye tournaments and be honest, we have we have a pond and I started that's what really made me want to become a bass fisherman. I would go down there every day when I was a kid and catch those things and I'd always Pat would always bring me to some tournaments, some small mall tournaments, Surge May open in the spring, we'd fish it together and there's another place that he dropped me off and I'd fish all day when I was a kid. He dropped me and my brother off in a little fourteen foot John boat in a little flowage by our house and we'd sit and fish and you know the bass thing has just always clicked to me i just it's always been kind of my passion um it's just i like those fish i mean they're they're a little different they fight a little harder <laughs> just a lot more fun for me but no nothing against those walleye guys i mean walleye fishing i do it still i still do it to this day i go out probably five, six times a year and do some walleye fishing. I enjoy it. Just, uh, it's the best deal is kind of where it's at with, for me. There's a, there's an outdoor writer from Illinois who, and I won't mention his name, but uh, for years he has always called walleye the fish that doesn't mind being caught. <laughs> you, you didn't laugh. Yeah. As, you didn't laugh as much. I thought because you're, you're worried about your dad. If you laughed a lot, your dad's going to have words for you, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he would. Yeah, yeah he, he's done well for himself in that walleye industry. The, the fish that yeah, doesn't I mean, mind being caught. I, don't, I, don't, I, I, don't, I agree with that if you're catching, you know, 16-inch walleyes. But if you get into some uh, uh, water that's got good walleye, uh, they do mind being caught. And they do have teeth, uh, bigger teeth though, on, on the bigger fish. And, and they can really be a challenge. But I do understand. Mm-hmm. I do understand what you're saying about bass, and you fish bass with your dad, and, and you've performed well at uh, places like Sturgeon. So I, I think that says, uh, you know, you can catch walleyes. He can catch bass. Uh, fishing is fishing at one point, and and uh, 
the, I think the specializing is uh, is just something that you do. And I see there's a, a couple of walleye guys whose uh, uh, sons are fishing bass, and I don't think that's uh, uh, unlikely to see happen. So we're, we're we're glad to see you're doing it. What gave you the impetus to say, "Hey, I'm good enough to, to pony up and open up my checkbook and and make a commitment to?" Myself, at least financially, by signing up to fish the Bassmaster Opens. What what gave you the guts to do that? You know, I really never had a plan of doing that coming out of college, and I I had a job kind of lined up, and I was looking at some other places, and it just kind of dawned on me one day that I was young and still young, obviously twenty five, but I was young and the, being able to go back and try to fish these opens later on in life had been more difficult. So, I mean, the family was nice enough to support me through it. And I had a nice enough job and I'm still working here at Howie Sackle where they're, I mean, they're all right with me being gone a couple of weeks out of the year when, I mean, other places you might not get that amount of time off. So I just kind of jumped into it with both feet and it's, it's an eye opening experience to see how good these guys are. I mean, not, just the elite series guys that are fishing there, but all these local sticks on these bodies of water and all these guys that are soon to be elite series guys that you may not know yet. Um, they're all, I mean, out of the 200 boats, there's a lot of really good sticks and that's earned those tournaments. A lot of those guys are really good at what they do and, and some of them are really good everywhere and they'll soon be elite series. It's, it's an eye-opening experience how good they are compared to what you thought. Oh, I can I can imagine that. And you know what? It, what's kind of funny, you see uh, a tournament and uh, like the, the Open that you were in, a lot of the guys that consider that uh, St. Lawrence River to be home water will sign up for just that one tournament. They're not even signing up for the three to try to qualify uh, to move up. They want to... They look at the, their home water and say, I can go, I can cash a check at this tournament. Uh, and you get a, a number of local guys that do that. And you got to look at it when you're handicapping and go in and say, man, that, that that's uh, that's tough. That guy knows that water. He can do real well. But it doesn't often happen that the local guy comes up strong and, and wins his local tournament. It's usually won by a traveling pro or an elite pro. Um what do you think about that? You know, going in, I've always been kind of snake bit by Surgeon Bay. I've had some good finishes here. Um, but just going into an event as a local, it's just hard to be open-minded because you have so much going on in your head where I could run here, I can run there, I can do this if something's not panning out where a lot of these traveling guys, they'll, they'll go places and they have 10 spots. And if those 10 spots don't work, they're going to figure out how to make them work. Um, and it seems every time it's won, won by a traveling guy, it's normally off of a couple spots. Um, they just found the key stretch that is working for them, and they make it work every single day. Um, and a lot of these locals, if they get the right weather and they're allowed to run around, they, they seem to win the tournament. Um, it's... It's just hard to go into a tournament as a local with an open mind. It's it's very difficult. Um, 
you mean you're not looking for new spots when you're local you're trying to figure out which one of yours is going to fire and when yeah it's in your head your head is telling you you know all the spots right yeah yeah exactly i mean as much as you think you know about that place these guys will still tell you more i mean a lot of these guys end up fishing areas where you would never think to fish before maybe you thought there's nothing but small fish there and then someone makes the top 10 off of it or something these guys are really good okay what's the uh, you're you signed up to do all three centrals yep and what what are the three bodies of water and what what's what's uh, coming up uh we went to pickwick in april we were supposed to be at lewis smith um in april too uh but smith got delayed till october because of high water they had that unusual large rainfall so we have uh, lewis smith coming up next and the start of october and then grand lake after that excellent how'd you do at pickwick Pickwick, uh, kind of mediocre, middle of the pack. I had a tough event. I kind of picked the wrong side of a changing bite. They're kind of coming off of the spawn, moving towards the sedge spawn deal, and I was following the spawn and kind of dragging out the last bit of it. And we had a full moon like two days before the last part, or the event started, and all my spawning fish just did their thing and left. And I was kind of left with no fish and had to junk fish my way through the tournament. So, I mean, it could have gone much worse. But I was just kind of happy to just get out of there and move on to Smith, where I've been to Smith once before, and I've been to Grand once before. Um, Smith, I was at spring before, but being familiar with the lake is huge. I mean, a lot of these guys are are so familiar with those bodies of water. A lot of them are from Alabama or Texas or wherever these lakes are from. So just seeing the lake once and not wasting your time on dead water, very important. Uh, going to be a silly question. What What's your ambition? What's your goal for the rest of the year? You know, I, I just, at this point, uh, these guys are so good. It's, it's almost impossible to make the elites with having one bad tournament. I mean, you almost have to top 20 every single tournament to make it. These mm-hmm. guys are really good. There's 200 anglers competing. They're, they're going to do it. I mean, three of those guys are going to, have a top 20 or better every single tournament. Okay. So my goal is just kind of go into them and learn as much as I can um, about these bodies of water, especially in October time, because it can be a goofy time here down south. It can be kind of tough and stingy, or it can be really good. There's really a, a break there when the water starts to cool off, whether it's going to be really stingy or really good. So going into it, just trying to learn as much as I can about those bodies of water in that time of year, because they seem to like to put us down there at tougher times of the year to see who can figure it out. So Yeah, yeah, it's higher to watching those huge uh, uh, big bags being weighed in. They want to put a little bit of a uh, little bit of difficulty up there for you. I, I, don't, I don't believe that, but uh, uh, it does seem to be the way it works out. Hey, how is it, uh, how is it fishing when you got a camera on you and you know you're on that live broadcast? Does that change you at all? No, I mean, it's, you just kind of got to focus on what's in front of you. Um, yeah, it didn't really change it at all. I mean, it was just kind of a cool experience because, like, if I was, like, the day I was having, I was having a really, really good day, and being able to share that with all the friends and family waiting back home cheering me on was kind of special. 
Excellent, excellent. Well, you know what? I, I don't think it will. I guess it won't happen this year. But I know you're gonna. I know you're. Uh, you're all jacked up for this, and you're gonna go at it again hard next year. And uh, I don't see a time where uh, the elites are missing Adam Nye much longer. I, I definitely think if that's your goal, you'll be uh, in the Bassmaster Elites within the next couple of years uh, or, or fishing a classic. And we'll be in your corner because we're, we're big fans. And uh, we just want to see you do really well, as at least as well as you're doing right now. And I want you to go head on down to... To Lewis Smith and Grand Lake and finish out the year exceptionally strong. I know you can do it, Adam Nye. Yeah, yeah, thank you. No, we'll no. see what we can do. Give it, give it all we got. Hey, you know what? If you give it all you've got, you're going to do well. Appreciate your being on. Go out and win, and we will talk to you again in the near future. He is Adam Nye, Bassmaster Northern, open on the St. Lawrence River. Excellent fishing, son of my friend Pat Nye. Executive Director of the NPAA, a definite fishing family. Great to have Adam on. We will be talking to this young fella again in the future. Have a great day, Adam. Yeah, thanks for having me. You're welcome. That wraps up this week's edition of the We Fish ASA podcast, the best darn fishing show on the radio or the internet in the entire USA. I'd like to thank today's guests, Dan Johnston from St. Croix, Mark Mills, from Daiwa. Happy to have those guys on. Was happy to visit with Adam Nye, Bassmaster Northern Open. It's over 75 pounds of fish. Yeah, that's right. That is absolutely unbelievable that uh, uh, that somebody could catch that amount of smallmouth bass in three days. Incredible Adam Nye. I'd like to thank our sponsors, St. Croix, the best rods on earth. Calcutta, makers of a line of products that fit your fishing lifestyle and passion, Daiwa. They have what you need for every application and every price point. There's no reason not to be using Daiwa reels. Remember that We Fish ASA presents a new episode of our one-hour podcast each and every week. It's available everywhere you get podcasts. Don't forget to listen to it at the website, wefishasa.com. If you like what you hear, please let us know. If there's something you'd like to hear us talk about or someone you think we ought to have on the show, let us know that too. I'm Steve Sarley. My partner is Dave Kranz. We'll see you next week now. Let's go fishing. I'm professional angler Kevin Van Dam, and people always ask me, what's the best and easiest way to catch fish? Well, that's simple. Keep our waterways clean and free of litter. You know, tossing your worn out lures in the lake is not a winning move. Pitch them in the trash. Do your part and join me. Visit KeepAmericaFishing.org and pledge to pitch it.